Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome to a day of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you are our Father. You are our lover. You are our Savior. You are our friend. You are our counselor and our comforter. We thank you, God, for all that you are and all that you have brought about in this earth and all that you do for us, Lord. We just honor you and we respect you. And we tell you, thank you, Lord God, because you're good to us. We thank you that the, for the freedom that you've given us in Christ Jesus and the liberty that we have in you, Lord. We thank you for the peace that you cause your people who set their affections on you to experience, Lord God. We thank you for the peace that passes all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds, Lord God. Make it easy for us to see you today. Make it easy for us to come boldly before you, Lord God, to hear the words that you have for us, but also to take the word that you provide to us and apply it. We thank you for your wisdom, your counsel, your strength and might and power, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that there is no name greater than your name. There's nothing too hard for you. We just bless this day, Lord God. We bless the heroes. We bless the participants, Lord God. And we ask you to keep them safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. And make your way established before them. Make it easy for them to follow after you, Lord God, in, in every point, in all ways that we should, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, well, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 21 today. So, let's get to it, shall we? Who wants to begin reading? I will. All right, sir, read through verse 9, please. Okay. Now David came to Nob, to Amalek, the priest. And Amalek was afraid when he met David and said to him, why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Amalek the priest, The king has ordered me on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Sorry. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly, women, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out. And the vessel of the young men are holy. And the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there is no bread there but the showbread which had been taken from before the Lord in order to not in order to put in order to put hot bread in mm -hmm. its place on the day when it was taken away. Mm -hmm. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. And the man 
and his name was Doeg. Doeg, thank you, Mommy. Mm-hmm. And Edmund, Edmund, the and chief. Edomite. Edomite. Yes, baby. The chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Am- Ahimelech. Ahimelech, mm-hmm. is there not here on hand a spear or sword? For I have not brought neither my sword nor my weapon for because the king's business requires haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, mm-hmm. there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take it, take that, take it. For there is no one, no other except that one here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. So, a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. It was clearly making plans and departing, right? Putting things in motion mm-hmm. to follow through with the plan. But in this section of scripture, what did you get out of this? What ministered to you? interesting I think you know that he went to the priest I think he more so didn't just go there for the brand of sword I think he also went there to be in the presence of the Lord like to be there still but then he also needed other things so he just went there I don't think he was there just looking for bread or sword because there's no logical place to look for a sword <laughs> absolutely <laughs> That's right. Very true. And wasn't it also like the custom of the time that the well, like the priest in their area, the not the tabernacle, but what's the word I'm looking for? The temple. Okay. It was considered a place of like a safe haven, and if you were there. I believe it said so in one part of scripture. There were sanctuary cities where people could go. And, and they were not yeah. allowed to kill anybody inside the temple. They would have to be taken out. Uh, be taken. People were so. killed. Sure, most people try to be respectful and avoid it. Just out of you know respect for the, the place. Um, and it's the holiness of it. However... Um, there were times where they were like, nope, that ain't going down. About to get it right now. <laughs> so there, um, that wasn't necessarily like a, a safe haven that everybody knew. Like, you're on home base. You know, when you play tag, like, yeah. this is home base. You can't touch me. It wasn't necessarily that kind of place. But it was safety in the way of the presence of the Lord and that comfort. And most people have respect for it, but... Not, not everybody. Not squarely all the way around. Especially when it came to the king, because that's usually who was having have people hacked and slaughtered right there um, in the temple and or the tent of meeting, whatever, um, whatever. As though it doesn't matter, but you know, however you choose to see that. So, not necessarily. I. I I 
I like that you referenced his heart. Like, I just need to go back and be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. He just left Samuel and the presence of the Lord in a, in a way, and he went to the next place where he knew, right, that he might find some um, comfort. What else did you guys notice? Did David really have other people with him? Probably, Probably not. not at this time. Probably not at this time. So that means what? He lied. Uh-huh. Did he need to lie? Mm-hmm. No. No, but I wouldn't have told him what I was doing either. Uh, lying and divulging all your information Jeez. when someone said, good morning, and then you tell you... <laughs> That's not the same Here's thing. Here's the whole game plan. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing next week. trying to kill right? me. <laughs> um, it's two different things. No, I think Ahimelech was like, why are you here? You're going to kill me, aren't you? <laughs> He's probably thinking David was coming to get him. Um, but he didn't have to lie. There was no need for him to lie. He could have asked the Lord what to say. It wasn't that he, he misread the situation and saying, if... I think he came to an accurate conclusion that if they recognized and realized he was running away from Saul, they might have told on him. I don't think that was outlandish for him to come to that conclusion. However, God is still the same God that delivered him all the other times. And he could have taken the time to ask him. He should have taken the time to ask him, Lord, Mm -hmm. what do I say? When they ask me, they're surely going to ask me. Samuel said the same thing, right? He's going to kill me once he sees me. He could have been like, Lord, they're going to tell on me once they see me here. You know, if he was going where God, especially when he's going where God directed him to. Lord, they're going to they're gonna see me. What do I, what do I do? How do I go about this? Um, and God would have answered him. But also, what I think David was working with is that when we last saw him at the end of chapter 20, his emotions were very high. Oh, yes. So he's, he's crying and he's probably feeling low, like, oh, man, what else can I do, you know? And um, sorrowful. Yep. So. And the, trying to come up with what to do in the natural. Mm-hmm. So when we allow our emotions to get too high, it doesn't mean you can't experience them. God knows us. He loves us. Mm-hmm. He, he made us human and put us in this body for a reason. Yes, he gave us a better quality body before sin came in. But he understands that we are dust. He understands that we are humans and we experience emotions. He doesn't want us to be absolved of our emotions because he wouldn't have given them to us. Right? We know that the Lord laughs. He has joy. He's happy. He experiences anger. We understand that. But it doesn't rule him. Neither should it rule us. So there should never be a time where we allow it to take us to a place where we're not asking him for his decision. Right? We're not asking him for his counsel. Or letting the emotions make the decisions for us, because that can be a dangerous place. Now, God is not finding fault with David. Does he want him to lie? Absolutely not. Is he going, I'm getting rid of you? No, he's showing him mercy, even still. But that doesn't absolve us of the fact that we, must, we still must be honest. We must tell the truth and ask God for his counsel. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit tells us what to say as we ought, right? He tells us what we need to speak in the moment, so we're not even supposed to plan it out. But he could have asked. So when plan it out, I mean, make up, well, when they say this, I'm going to say that. Like, start having a conversation in your head. That's not valid because it's flesh working things out and soul. But when the Lord tells us what to say, we can stand on that and walk in it. Absolutely. Anyone else? 
else? No. Okay. So you brought up about this, you know, when David deceives the priest. How do you understand verses 4 and 5? Kind of. <laughs> the priest what? Kind of knew that David was David wasn't telling the truth. Hmm. Okay. How so? Explain. He's kind of like how he didn't ask any more questions. And Kind of like in the later chapter. Explain, sir. Can you make it clear for everybody? Yes. So in the later chapter, actually, never mind. So I kind of thought that the priest knew because why one the Lord showed that the priest that David was lying. Hmm, that's interesting. And one loaf won't be enough to feed more than one person, even five loaves. Okay. And the fact that he's so sure, they've kept themselves from women at least three days. It's like, how do you know? Well, if you are moving, and I mean, like, there's... Like if you've ever considered troop movement, are you gonna you gonna tackle that? No, honey? you got it. Oh, okay. You're doing a good job. Go for it. <laughs> okay. So like, if if you have troops, right? and you leave from the home base, and you go out, and you're going on your mission, you're not bringing your girlfriend along, you know, like, you know what I mean, if, especially if it's a troop of all males, they don't, they don't come beside you with a wagon, you're out to do business, so from the time you left your garrison, you left your, your command or whatever, and journeyed out, you can, especially if there's no women present with you, they, they keep themselves focused on the task, it's not like one can just wander off, oh, I'm gonna go to Betty's house, or, you know, this, that, and the other, or bring their wives along with them. So that's how he could, and he knows he's talking about himself, clearly. About himself, but but, I'm saying the fact that he said, yes, my men, surely. No, and he was the captain over them, so yeah, he, he would know. Like, we left at this day and this time, and this is where we've been, this is where we have not been. And nobody left, nobody had liberty, nobody had. And where has David been? In the field, hiding. For the last three days. So he fulfills, right, well, according to well, the books of Moses, right, the Pentateuch, the Torah. He fulfills the law there, right? We can go back to Exodus. It's in verse nine, or chapter 19, um, and it is uh, also, I'll read verses 9 and 10, right? So this is about the people are going to meet with the Lord. Moses said, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down from Sinai in the sight of all the people. All right, so that's kind of where this third day, consecrating themselves, um, say ritual or tradition or law, if you will, is 
is coming from, mm-hmm. right? It's consecrating themselves as being clean, being pure, being holy before the Lord, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bring that up, well, all of this, because David's answer is very interesting, right? So yes, he's saying, I've checked this box, if you will. I am remaining faithful, holy, without spot, wrinkle, blemish before the Lord. I've done what's required, mm-hmm. and I am still doing what's required. Okay. But then, um, like I said, his answer is very interesting. He says, truly, women have been kept from us for about three days since I came out. And then he says, and the vessels of the omen are holy. So then he says, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So how do you understand that? Because it's very significant and it's interesting at the same time. Because if you remember, this is what Jesus references, talking about the Sabbath. Yes. Go to Matthew, just for so everyone's on the on the same page and understands. Um, since cha- Matthew chapter twelve, so I'll start in verse three. He says, "Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the show bread, or the holy bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law?" But on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. And I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple, but if you had known what that means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And, and Mark says the same thing. Mark chapter 2 um, In verses 25 and 26. So if you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the day of Abiathar the priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So, in light of those scriptures, both what Jesus said and what is stated here. How do you understand that? What just happened? And the meaning behind it. I think he was saying that it's not the bread that's holy, but it's the Lord. It's not the act like with the Sabbath. It's not the actual day, but it's what the Lord said to do on that day that makes it holy. Because um, like if the Lord said, you go do this, it is considered holy. Like Jericho, when he was talking to the angel was talking to Joshua, said, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. I don't know if it was holy before that, but it's where the Lord's presence resides because it's him that makes it holy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyone else? 
Okay, so here's the, here's the thing. When this whole thing of David leaving started out, what was it stated by Jonathan? The Lord has sent you away. Then the Lord has sent you away. We know the Lord provides all our needs, right? Yes. Okay. So, yes, these things, the bread, all that was dedicated, consecrated to the Lord, right? But same as what the Lord is, what Jesus is saying in the New Testament, right? Uh, the Sabbath was made for man, mm-hmm. not man for the Sabbath. All of it, right? And he says, and I require mercy or obedience and not sacrifice, Right? Yes. Okay, so uh, he's looking for people that in faith are going to walk in his way, the Lord's ways. Mm-hmm. They're going to carry out, they're going to, in obedience, which is faith in action, they're going to carry out what the Lord's told him to do. Now, yes, clearly still in a heightened emotional state, right? There's still a lot he's processing and kind of come up with a game plan and all these things where, yep, we've already gone over that. Key part is seek the Lord, mm-hmm. get the plan from the Lord. Mm-hmm. However, what he says is very significant. The bread is, in effect, common. What about this bread was, was different or more special than any other bread? Nothing except that it set before the Lord. That it was set before the Lord. Well, we, same thing, right? No one person is greater than another. The Lord is not a respecter of persons, but he's looking for people that are willing to be obedient to his plan for us. All right? Yes. No, again, he provides all our needs. So there's no difference, right? And, And the Lord addresses that. Jesus addresses that later. He says, when people ask you for something, like your, even your own parents, how can you say it's Corbin, right? It's set aside for the Lord. Oh, whatever I have that could help you, I've already dedicated to the Lord, and then you're unable to help someone else, right? Yes. This whole thing here is about obedience. Everything, yes, and I'll say it this way, everything should be dedicated to the Lord. All we have comes from Him, all right? We can't boast about getting or earning any of it, because it's all a gift from him, mm-hmm. whatever we have. However, with that, everything is to be is in that state because we have dedicated it to the Lord. It's for his plan and his purpose, whatever that looks like. David's still filling, fulfilling the Lord's plan and purpose, which is ultimately to be king. So how would, or why should he not be helped in that? That may not look how we, or Abiathar, or anyone else envisioned it, right? Especially not David or Jonathan, mm-hmm. but especially not David, right? Yes. Yes. So, either way, help is still needed, and the Lord still has mm-hmm. provision. Mm-hmm. The things that are dedicated to the Lord's are the Lord's, mm-hmm. to do with as He pleases. Absolutely. Does everyone understand that, or do you have questions? Okay. So I want to bring that because it's, it's significant and it's important. And clearly, Abiathar, or Ahimelech, excuse me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
Uh, New Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally moved so, that name. Ahimelech. Ahimelech was, um, gave him the holy bread. He, he came to that same, or the Holy Spirit ministered to him, or, or he came to that, right? It was like, oh yeah, it is common. It's not made in any different way than what's required or how we would normally make bread. The only difference is we dedicated this, this bread to the Lord. Right? Yes. Okay. So, so then he goes into, uh, David does, about searching for a weapon. Right? And yes, as you pointed out, that is the least likely place to go for a weapon. Right? Yes. Okay. Uh, you can read about it all throughout the Old Testament, but especially uh, in Moses' time, the priests didn't have weapons. They carried the ark. They consecrated the people and the things for the Lord's service to the Lord. Okay. Yes, they, they went out in front of the people, but they weren't armed. Uh, say the people, the army, the whatever it was. <clears throat> However, they didn't have weapons. So the fact that, yes, there was a weapon there, and it was a weapon, a reminder of mm-hmm. uh, a great victory. That's faithfulness. Exactly. And his presence. It's certainly a reminder of that. Yes. Um, what else did everybody get out of there? Do you know where the wrapping uh, of the sword comes from? No. No. I thought it was just to help make sure it's clean. Well, there is that as well. So, in Leviticus 13... There is a, it's talking about plagues and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this one was for, for leprosy specifically, but it talks about, um, the priest tear it out of the garment, and the, so if it appears in the garment, right, wash the garment, either wrap or wolf or whatever is made of leather, and the plague is departed from them, it should be washed a second time, and it shall be clean. Um, and that's where the wrapping thing comes from, right? Now, it's also because uh, it's significant, right? This weapon, again, as you pointed out, honey, showed the Lord's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So, and it was just further acknowledgement that the Lord is the one that gave the victory. It wasn't, that, wasn't anything that anyone did in and of themselves, right? David gave the credit immediately. Even before the battle began, he said, the Lord's going to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, the, the priest acknowledges that there is no other weapon like it, uh, and that's for a number of reasons, uh, right? squarely unique. That's the only one that <laughs> Goliath had. <laughs> because like, it was for a unique individual, mm-hmm. absolutely. So whether that's quality, craftsmanship, size, weight, it, I mean, like, materials it was constructed from. How it was gained by the... It, Israelites. So, which is why David can say, hey, nope, there is none like it. Mm -hmm. But again, the Lord's the one that gave the victory. So, now he has something that he can look at and remember the goodness of the Lord. His faithfulness and the Lord's power and might working in and through him. Absolutely. I believe after the the initial battle, he took um, Goliath's armor and put it in his own tent. Absolutely. So, he kept... 
a reminder with him in his in his place so it's nice not a coincidence i'm sure but it's nice that he could come back and get another piece so he could have a reminder before him who god is and how god loves him and who god is in his life he's not some random off you know god afar off but he's personal to david mm -hmm. anyone else have any anything they want to share in this section well to me it sounds like i mean i can in this as a mom <laughs> okay i can see david has grown physically Absolutely. he has grown in stature and strength and ability he is he's a man you know he's coming into his manhood when we first met him you know saul's armor was too much for him and the equipment and i'm sure it was the supernatural inter intervention of the lord the ministering spirits were helping david when he chopped off goliath's, um, head. goliath's head with yep. his sword because it was if he was this great in stature this little little kid you know but like the lord came on samson for great strength I'm, i believe he did that for david as well but now david is coming into the stature of a man he's taller i'm sure he's stronger and something like that it's like oh yeah i can use that tool but before it was like oh you know <laughs> a little hard to wield i'll take my slingshot you know <laughs> like you can just see the growth happening in him and you know that's a blessing to see that he's he's physically growing he's growing mm -hmm. on the out inside god is cultivating and developing his character on the inside and he's growing on the outside so Amen. it's important it sure is <laughs> growth absolutely spiritual as well as natural development is important mm -hmm. all right who wants to read out the rest of the chapter i will all right sir then david arose and fled that day from before saul and went to akish the king of gath and the servants of akish said to him is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to, of him and to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the, date, on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see, the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that I have br that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Okay. <laughs> so you're all, <laughs> you're all amused by that. Well, then explain. Which it's okay. Explain it. I just thought it was funny that he has lemon falling down on his beard. He was scratching the gate. So he went in to drool and everything. He was mm -hmm. like, he made it very believable. And he was crazy. Um, so what did you get out of that section of scripture? Wait, Samuel didn't tell all of Israel that David was going to be king, did they? Did he? No. So then how did the Philistines know he was king of the land? Well... There's some things that are unmistakable. People know leaders when they see them. It's not about who's actually in the place or the position. Because there are many people that have a place and a position of leadership. However, there are the people that are underneath them that are actually 
being led and, fo and following, led by and or following someone else that they can trust, that exhibits the, the qualities and characteristics of a leader, but ultimately that they know they can trust. There's many battles between the Philistines and David. And David's men, right? all kept sending David to go fight the Philistines. They know very well who he is and what he's capable of. And also, how his people respond to him. They follow him. There's loyalty. Yes. Okay, why? Because they can trust him. He is trustworthy. So he, he notices these things. He notices that these are the traits and characteristics of a king, of a leader. But also, this is the time where kings go to war. So who's out leading the troops? Not Saul. Not the king. Yes. So it's not hard uh, to look at why he would deduce that, well, David's the king. The Samuel didn't tell anybody. Except for David's own immediate family, maybe. Maybe. It doesn't even say how many were there when, when he anointed him. Yes. Or just like with Samuel and Saul, right? He didn't do it in the presence of everybody. Not initially. Mm -hmm. He told Saul directly. He even sent his servant ahead, right? Yes. So just the two of them. So we don't know how many. I'm sure there was something about David that set him apart because there were other captains that had been, um, I think Abner was on the scene at this point as well. Yes. yes. And he was notable. Mm -hmm. But there's still something about David that made him stand even apart and above that. So that's, that is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I also find it significant that this is right after David picks up Goliath's sword from the priests. Goliath right? From He's from Gath. So he picks up the weapon that's unique. There's none other like it. And then goes to the exact place where that sword would have been made or come from. It would have been recognizable. Mm -hmm. It's not like he could have hit it. <laughs> no. Definitely not. And the boy was like, hey, there's this sword on his back. What do you mean you're drooling? <laughs> I would have been like this. I would have been in my chair calculating. Hmm. Your muscles, like, you look too good in shape. Well, just saying. Muscles. Right? It's too long. <laughs> and be like, mm-hmm. Bad man. Yeah. Lock him up, guys. Well, maybe they didn't want to lock him up. Maybe they wanted to have him fight on their side. Hey, somebody like that is that's too good of a person to kill. That's, that's not usually how you treat that kind of quality and caliber. Most people would try to recruit and convert. Because mm -hmm. God is with them. Yes. 
uh, even if he didn't recognize the Lord was with him, there's still the look at everything that was accomplished. The skills, capabilities, right? The ability to command and it's, uh, get results. Mm-hmm. There was victory. So, I mean, I, there was many battles between David and the Philistines. He knows what the person's capable of. Mm-hmm. So if he can flip this person, David, to, like your mother was saying, to come on their side and fight for them, well, after, you got to first figure out what they're doing there. Because right, David clearly went there multiple times, right? Yes. Okay, even to, to get his dowry for Saul's daughter. Uh, it wasn't like a small thing. Yes. You round up 200 men. I'm just saying. It's significant. So, you're coming, oh, as he places it, uh, in his house, right? Yes. At will, to do what he wants. That's uh, that's significant. So, I'm sure he's trying to figure out what is he doing here. And then, who's with him? Yes. And what are they up to? Mm-hmm. What are they up to? Absolutely. And there's another thing you see here. What's you that? can also see that he's uh, he obviously knows that David's not a madman because he says, "Yeah, brothers fell to play the madman in my presence." Pretend. Oh well, that's kind of how they talk. Their language. He probably was a little suspicious. Like I said, you got this big giant sword strapped to your back strategically, <laughs> <laughs> and like Kyla said, you have rippling muscles. Like you've been. You've been working out you're, on you're the able to, You're able to wield this weapon. Right. <laughs> so. Or you wouldn't be carrying it. Right. Like that. You know what I mean? Where you can get to it and, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know. Yeah, so he probably was a little bit suspicious. But, again, I think the Lord gave him grace and covered him mm-hmm. and allowed him to get away and not be captured or taken. Absolutely. Even in the land of his enemies, people that he's fought against countless times. The mm-hmm. Lord's there, his hands over him, watching over him, protecting him. Still doesn't say that David sought the Lord yet. No. For a plan. But you can you can see the buildings and the, the making of God training him of how to trust him even when mm-hmm. he's on the run. Trust him even when his emotions are high. Trust him regardless of the situation. It's one thing to be, I'm doing everything right and things are going swell. A lion just showed up to get my my lamb or a bear just showed up and having to be in a place of stability and then have to go and fight you know he was in his element if you will and being able to trust god like okay you know i'm starting from this point and going forward and you see that same kind of i'm i have my home base i'm starting from the kingdom and i'm going out to do battle because you asked me to and that trusting god like that versus trusting god when people are hunting you like meat and there's zero stability and consistency and still being able to trust the lord and being able to trust that god is with you and that he loves you and um he's still the same god and you can still trust him in the same to the same level like to the same extent it's just you have to learn to trust him as you are going through a changing situation well that comes from a choice mm-hmm. and how you say fashion or put your life together and what are you going to do? Are you going to to build it in such a way where the Lord's the focus, central focus of everything in your life? Mm-hmm. 
Or are you going to trust in all these other things that, that you have, that you think you got for yourself, or mm -hmm. whatever the case is, your skills, your abilities, capabilities, knowledge, whatever it mm -hmm. is. Because, well, David had those things, and we see that in this moment he doesn't have any of them. However, he is still trusting the Lord. Absolutely. That was one of the last remarks between him and Jonathan, right? Mm -hmm. Lord be between you and me. Mm -hmm. So he knows the Lord's with him wherever mm -hmm. he goes. Mm -hmm. So he, he's still putting the Lord first. He's still living his life in such a way where he knows the Lord's with him. He's going to see the Lord in everything. Mm -hmm. Because now he's separated, right? He already made his last stop at the with the priest of the temple, right? Yes. So what scrolls does he have to go read to comfort himself in the Word? None. None. But yet he knows that God is still God. And he still has a growing, he's still growing, spiritually growing and developing in the Lord and the things of the Lord. So that's significant. And it's also an example for us. It's not about just going to a, a church on, on Sunday. And there's nothing wrong with going to not church. Not at all. Go and enjoy fellowship with the people around you, especially if that's where God has sent you to. Go, you know, be there and be, be faithful in what God asks you to do. What but he asks you to do, yes. Religious traditions are not a replacement for covenant. They're not a replacement to relationship with the Lord because there may be a time where that building is unavailable to you. Do you cease to follow the Lord? Is your walk with him tied up in the building? No. Is he your God in the field? <laughs> Absolutely. So just keep things in their proper perspective and their positioning and not um, upside down or twisted or anything is inadvertently placed in God's place. Yeah. Let's hit pause there for today, mm -hmm. and we'll we'll pick up in chapter twenty-two tomorrow. All right. All right. Who wants to close us out in prayer? I will. Oh, Kyla. All right. Kyla. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you for today, God. We thank you that you continue to guide us and that you make known to us your ways, God, and that even through the story of David, that you taught us so much and you taught me personally so much and I ask that you continue to make it clear and make it so I understand and I can continue to walk and grow God in the name of Jesus amen, amen. Well, we love you God bless you God bless have you. a great day bye, bye. bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.